Don't feel bad. I didn't know that song either. So, but, but the Bible does say, let us sing a new song. So got to learn new ones from time to time. Take your Bibles this evening and go to Romans chapter 9. I want to spend a few lessons, if you will, maybe a few weeks in this chapter. While you're turning there, let me remind you of an announcement I made this morning, and I don't know if Bill made it after I left, but on September 4th, which is, I think, two weeks from today, on Sunday evening after church, we're going to wait for one to get done, come over, and about, for about 15 minutes or so, I want to show you some things about the church and uh, past and, and where we're going to go, and I want to show you some stuff that will bless you, that will, I, I think it will really bless your heart, so kind of mark that day. It's not a business meeting. We're not deciding anything. I just want to, I just want to share some things with you that I don't feel comfortable. I've never felt comfortable taking a service for Bible study to talk about stuff because we come here to study the Bible. So we'll do it after we study the Bible. How about that? So uh, September 4th, right after the service. Okay. Romans chapter 9. We finished this, this, our study in the life of, of Joseph last week. And I was thinking about, you know, start a new series. But, but I've always, in Romans, in fact, the book of Romans is, the, is considered by many the pinnacle of Christian doctrine. It's the book of, of just solid, you know, our lostness and man's history and God's love for us and the, and the, and the coming of Christ. It is, man, I mean, the book of Romans, if you, if you want to study doctrine, to spend the rest of your life studying the book of Romans. I mean, it is just rich and will never achieve it all in this lifetime. Chapter 8 of Romans, by the way, is considered the pinnacle of the pinnacle book. Chapter 8 is the kind of like the crescendo of the doctrine as it leads up to that. You say, well, we're in chapter 9. Yes. Uh, so we're going to go on the other side of the crest because after he finishes the doctrinal stuff, Paul deals with with some things that are personal for him. And, and beginning in chapter 9, you see some of that. Paul in chapter 9, obviously moved by the Holy Spirit to record this for us because it has great value for us to see how he felt in his, in his understanding, was really, really hurt with the idea that Israel had failed, that the nation had failed. They had failed. And there were other Jewish Christians who would have asked the question, and maybe even some Gentiles, and said, well, if God had this plan for Israel, they're a selected nation chosen of him, how is, it they, how is it that this plan of God did not perpetuate itself? How come it didn't come true? Uh, how do you explain Israel's failure as a nation is the question. And in this chapter, Paul deals with that in great detail. Now, we're only going to go so far in this chapter tonight because to deal with the last half of it, we need more time because it's, it's heavy duty. It has to do with election and God's sovereign choice of people, and God's sovereignty, and, and that kind of stuff makes Baptist people sweat. It makes them kind of, you know, uncomfortable. But listen, it's true, and, we have to, and we're going to deal with it. And, and, but keep this in mind when we get to it, we're dealing with it with regard to Israel, with their failure and God's sovereignty. So with that in mind, let's just see what Paul had to say about Israel because it's his people, and he loved them. And what he had to say about him. Look at the first five verses of Romans chapter 9. He said, I tell the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. 
my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit. That's almost like an oath, a testimony oath, right? He said, I'm, I'm telling you the truth and God's bearing witness to this. Verse 2, that I have great sorrow and continual grief. Not just sorrow and grief, but I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart. A perpetual burden. Well, what's the burden over? Verse 3, for I could wish that I myself were a curse from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen according to the flesh. Who's he talking about? Israel. He's talking about his people, his countrymen according to the flesh. Who are Israelites, verse 4, to whom pertain the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God, and the promises, of whom are the fathers, and from whom according to the flesh Christ came, who is over all the eternally blessed God, amen. Now, Paul began this chapter as he had completed the doctrinal heavy stuff. And he, and he basically takes an oath and says, I want you to know that I love Israel. Now, think about who that statement's coming from. Here's a guy who was a Pharisee of Pharisees. Now, you know, and we don't have time to talk about it, to become a Pharisee or a scribe was a lifelong commitment. Those guys memorized the Old Testament law. They were experts in the law of God, and they, and they obeyed the law to a T, even to a fault above and beyond the law. That's what he was before he got saved. And most Pharisees, even though they were hypocritical religiously, loved their people, and they were serious about the law of God. So it wasn't all bad. They were just misguided, if you will, in the way to be saved, thinking they were earning it. But Paul was that kind of man who came to Christ, met Jesus on the road to Damascus to persecute the church and got saved. And so this man, Paul, is saying, I want you to know that I love Israel and that I have a continual burden for them that every day I'm burdened by their failure. I'm burdened by the fact that they rejected their Messiah that God, that God chose them and they crucified him. They turned him over to be crucified. Now, Paul was a doctrinal expert in Christianity because God took him up to third heaven and showed him things. And Paul knew God had a plan. But I want you to understand the heart of this man. He still loved those people. He still had a passion for his nation, and he loved them. Now, Israel, understand this, as a nation, are still God's people. There, will, there are theologians today, and you'll read, and they'll say, well, you know, the church replaced Israel. No, it didn't. Not at all. Israel was God's chosen people, and they're still his chosen people. Paul will later explain, if you keep reading from here, that they're set aside for a while, that God has set them aside until he gets done with the church age. Remember this morning we said one of these days, the last person that's going to be in the church age is going to get saved. The last person that's going to make up the body of Christ is going to say, could be today, could be tomorrow, could be any day. And when that last person that God's going to save in the church age is added to the church, we're getting raptured. I'm praying for sooner than later, okay? But when the church is raptured, then Israel, who is still God's people, is going to move back to the forefront of God's plan. But the point is, uh, uh, Paul's heart was burdened for them because they were missing out, because they, they, they basically missed out on God's plan for them. Now, I want to make an observation about Paul's, about Paul's passion for these people. 
Man, you're talking about evangelism. There is no evangelism unless you really care about people. There is no evangelism unless you care about their souls. There's, there's no going to put myself out to be uncomfortable, to share the gospel, to, to do whatever it's going to take. You're not going to do that unless you care about them. And the only way you care about them is you see them in the light of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus cares about everybody. I don't care. I don't care who they are. I don't care where they come from. Listen, if we don't see people like Jesus sees them, we won't be evangelistic. If we don't see people like Jesus sees them, we won't minister to them. We, we, we won't be moved, as Paul is, to be concerned about them. And shame on us for not being that way. Shame on us for not having the same passion that Paul had for Israel. Now, yes, they were his people. You say, well, how strong was Paul's passion? I'm glad you asked. Look at verse 3. Notice this astounding statement that he makes there in chapter 9, verse 3. For I could wish that I myself were a curse from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen, according to the flesh. That says exactly what you think it says. There are those who try to soften that and say, well, you know, Paul didn't really mean he'd go to hell for it. Yes, he did. That's exactly what he's saying. Paul is saying if it were possible that I could forfeit my relationship with Christ, lose my salvation, if it were possible, so that all of them would get saved and that Israel would be right with God, I'd do it. Now listen, I love you. <laughs> but that whole give up my relationship with Jesus thing? Mm-mm. No. But Paul said that. And I think he was serious. He wasn't, he wasn't just trying to be uh, uh, flamboyant or make some crazy statement. Paul said, and I believe him, if I, could, if I could be a curse from Christ so that they would all be saved, I'd do it. Now, let me ask you where he got that kind of attitude from. Where do you think he got it from? The same Savior who did the exact same thing, left heaven, laid aside his glory, came here and died for us. Paul said, I'll be just like him. I'll do it. I'll do it. Let me tell you two, two reasons why it's impossible. Now, Paul said it because that was his heart's desire. But let me give you two reasons why, why no human being can forfeit their relationship with Christ. Okay? Let me give you two reasons. Number one, it is not possible for us to forfeit what we didn't earn in the first place. When you got saved, you didn't do anything to get saved, right? It was all faith. You came to Jesus. You acknowledged that you were a sinner. You put your faith in Jesus. You asked him to save you. Jesus, listen to me, Jesus did all the work. The Holy Spirit drew you. The Holy Spirit sealed you. The Holy Spirit birthed you again into the body of Christ. You had zero to do with that other than accepting it, okay? You had nothing to do with that. I had nothing to do with that. So I cannot later, as Paul says here or anyone else, do something or say something or be something that would cause God to go, just kidding, you're not really saved anymore. I can't undo the thing that God has done for me. You can't be unborn. You can't be spiritually unborn. Now, I belabor this a little bit. And we talk, I did a new members class tonight, and those families were in there. They've heard some of this because we talk about the eternal security of those who are saved. Why do you belabor this point? Because there are people who struggle with that. 
There are Christians who struggle with the security of their salvation. Am I really saved? Am I really saved forever? Can I really trust God? I'm going to help you right now. For those who are listening to this or watching online or listening to this later, I want you to get these verses, okay? John chapter 10, verse 27. You can turn there or it'll be up on the screen. But I want you to listen to this. This is perhaps the most definitive proof in the entire Bible that you cannot be unsaved. You can't be lost again. If you're genuinely saved, you, you cannot lose your salvation. John chapter 10, verse 27. Notice who's talking here. Who's talking? It ain't red up there, but if it's in your Bible, it's in red. What does that mean? Jesus is talking, and it's correct. Jesus is talking. So listen to what Jesus said. Now, if you're going to get eternal security, who you want to get it from? Jesus. I want him to say it. I want him to tell me that I'm secure. Listen to what he said. My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. Now stop right there. To us, that means nothing because we're not shepherds. We read that and we go, okay, that's biblical stuff. Jesus shepherd. No, get what he's saying. Jewish shepherds bring their sheep in at night and they put them all in one great big pen and they're all mixed up. This 